Friday once again, and a very warm welcome to another episode of the Change and Evolve Letter. And today it's about, about grief and its different stages. There are no happy endings. Endings are the saddest part, so just give me a happy middle and a very happy start. Shel Silverstein. I believe we all know and experience grief at some point in our lives. And it's, it's something very personal and of course also something very individual. There is no one right way to grieve, no one formula to put yourself out of grief. And of course the reasons for grief will always differ. I suppose the most, the most common reasons for grief are the death of a loved one, the end of a relationship, perhaps our own approaching death, the loss of freedom, and even the loss of a job. And no matter why we grieve, I really believe we need to give the grief space and, and time to come to terms with it. Because the events that, that cause the grief will most likely change our life as we knew it. In 1969, the Swiss-American psychiatrist Elizabeth Kubler-Ross wrote in her book on death and dying that grief could be divided into five stages. And these are the five stages of grief Elizabeth Kubler-Ross describes in her book. They are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. These stages were originally devised for people who were ill, but they have been adapted for others, ex other experiences with loss. <laughs> and of course, there are many other theories and stages. So please just take this one as one of the examples, as it is the most widely known theory of grief. The five stages, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance, are a part of the framework that makes up are learning to live with the one we lost. They are tools to help us frame and identify what we may be feeling, but they are not stops on some linear timeline in grief. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And even if it is, people who grieve experience this in their own, very own way in their own time, their own order, and of course also their own duration. And some may begin coping with the loss in the bargaining stage and find themselves in anger or denial next. And some remain in one of the stages for months and skip others completely. So what I want to do is to just take a look at the different stages with a few examples, well, some personal, some more general, a little closer. Denial. It's not denial. It's just selective. I'm just selective about the reality I accept. Bill Watterson. Grief can be so unbelievably overwhelming and intense that it, that it may not be unusual to respond to this feeling of loss by simply pretending it didn't happen. And, well, this denial is most often a defense mechanism that, A, 
helps to numb the intensity of the situation, and B, gives you the opportunity to give yourself just a little more time to begin processing what has actually happened in your own time, and C, it lets you resurface gradually. And let's just take a few examples, and one is the death of a loved one. My little brother died in June of 27, only 27 years old, and even though it was I who found him at the time, I was still in denial, believing that he'll come around the corner any second, that I could talk to him, hug him, and just wake up from this horrific nightmare. Another common example is the end of a relationship, and I, I suppose most of us have been through this one in one way or another, and we fool ourselves by believing that the other person is just upset and that it will, it will all be good again tomorrow or maybe next week. The loss of a job, and this can be a, a tough one, and the most common approach of denial is to believe that a mistake has been made and that they will come back to you saying that they want you back. What makes moving out of the phase of denial so difficult and painful is that all those well-hidden and suppressed emotions and the sorrow will begin to rise again. And even if this may be part of the journey, it can be excruciatingly painful and is then often replaced by, by anger. Anybody can become angry, that is easy. But to be angry with the right person and to the right degree and at the right time and for the right purpose and in the right way, that is not within everybody's power and is not easy. Aristotle. Anger can be a really great way to, to hide the multitudes of emotions and, and pain that you carry. But in the end, well, I think we all know that it's just a way to mask what you are truly feeling. And unfortunately, this form of anger may often be redirected at other people, such as the person who died, your ex or your former boss. You may even want to let your anger out on, well, intimate objects or even the people that are closest to you. Rationally, we usually know that no matter who or what we direct our anger at, they probably do not deserve it. But masking your true feelings that are, that are simply too intense can be helpful for the moment. Not everyone will experience this stage and some may go through it really intensely. Let's go back to the examples, the death of a loved one. Well, in the case of my brother, I was, I was really, I really got angry at a certain point that he had left me. I was angry that he did not give me the chance to, to help him. The end of a relationship. Well, when a relationship ends and anger kicks in, we try to tell ourselves that we now hate this person and we, we fool ourselves that this person will regret having left and now will be miserable and lonely. The loss of a job. Well, when losing a job, we may tell ourselves that our boss is an incompetent fool and will fail without us. And we simply wish them the worst we can think of. But as with most emotions, sooner or later, 
the anger will subside and you and you may actually begin to think more rationally again about what has actually happened and allow yourself to feel the emotions you have been pushing aside. This may or may not lead into the next stage of, of bargaining. Bargaining makes you come up with the best ideas. Trey Parker. Grief is an emotion that makes us feel vulnerable and sometimes even helpless. And this loss of control over the situation is, is so utterly frustrating. And we think of ways to regain some of that missing control. So we start bargaining by creating a lot of if-onlys and what-ifs to, to try and make sense of these intense emotions. And in this bargaining stage of grief, we essentially try to build a line of defense against the overwhelming emotion of grief to somehow postpone the sadness and the anguish. And back to our examples, death of a loved one. My brother died to the abuse of drugs and seeing him lying on the floor of his flat, it haunted me. I was in the bargaining phase for quite a while, actually, because I kept telling myself that if only I had called him more often and if only I had put more effort had it to get him into rehab, he would probably still be there and he could still be alive. The end of a relationship. Well, bargaining at the end of a relationship usually depends on why the relationship ended in the first place. So perhaps you tell yourself that if you had only spent more time with your partner, listened more to your partner or whatever, then he or she would have possibly stayed with you. The loss of a job. Well, here the narrative could be that if you only had worked harder on your, or on more weekends, they would have seen how valuable you are and would have never let you go in the first place. When you come to the point where you realize that you have no more bargaining chips, well, you could slide into the next stage of depression. People who have never dealt with depression think it's just being sad or being in a bad mood. That's not what depression is for me. It's falling into a state of greyness and numbness. Dan Reynolds. A while ago, I wrote a short letter on depression, which you can reread here. And a lot of what I wrote there applies to this stage. So, like I say, you might like to revisit that post. Compared to the other phases of grief, where you avoid and even run away from the emotions that come with grief, well, depression appears to be the most passive of all the stages. However, this can be quite deceptive, because in the stage of depression, it can feel as if you're enveloped in, in hopelessness, and you wish to sink deeper into it and often have a feeling that you that you can no longer emerge from it. You may even choose to isolate yourself from others in order to fully cope with the loss. Depression is most certainly not easy or even well-defined. And like the other stages of grief, depression can be, well, can be difficult and messy, and it can feel so overwhelming and confusing that it might be really difficult to resurface from this stage. With the death of a loved one, 
Well, as I'm almost 13 years older than my brother, he was a bit like my first child, and I really more or less raised him. When he died at only 27, it was beyond my comprehension, and I simply could not imagine a life without him. The end of a relationship. When a relationship ends, when someone you still love decides to leave you, it may feel as if a part of you has gone as well. It often feels as if a big chunk of our heart is simply gone, and you may ask yourself, what is the sense of going on at all? How do you grieve the loss of someone who is still alive? Loss of a job. Losing a job can be absolutely devastating, and you may be terrified not knowing how to go forward from here. Depression may feel like the inevitable landing point of any loss. It is all right to be depressed for a while, even to wallow in, in self-pity and sadness. If you get stuck in this stage, however, or can't seem to move past the stage of grief, don't be afraid or ashamed to find someone, be it a good friend or family member, coach or a therapist, to help you through this period of coping so you can finally, finally find acceptance. The greatest gift that you can give to others is the gift of unconditional love and acceptance. Brian Tracy. It can be really challenging to actually get to the stage of acceptance. You may move from one stage to the next and even back and forth. And again, that is all right. When you finally come to accept the situation, that does not necessarily mean that it is a happy or uplifting stage of grief. It also does not have to mean that you have moved past the grief or loss. What it actually means is that you have started to accept it and that you are beginning to understand the impact it has on your life and how your life has now changed. And let's go one more time to our examples, the death of a loved one. Today, the thought of my brother does not make me as sad as it used to. On the contrary, I think of the, of the wonderful time I had with him, the beautiful moments we shared, and that fills me with gratitude and the love that I still have for him. End of a relationship. In the stage of acceptance, you will hopefully come to a point where you can honestly say that the end of the relationship was ultimately a healthy choice for you. And the loss of a job? Well, in your professional life, you may be able to see the new opportunities waiting for you once you have accepted that this old job lies behind you and is history. But no matter why or what you are grieving, cut yourself some slack and see that you do have a major change in your life, one that upends the way you feel about many things. Acceptance is just one way to see that there may be more good days than bad ones. And that is absolutely okay. It is absolutely okay to still have bad ones once in a while. And again, when it comes to grief, I believe it is important to understand that everyone will experience it very differently. There is no right or wrong. Grief is something very personal, and you may feel something different, different stages every time you grieve. You may need weeks, months, and sometimes 
even years to cope with grief. There is just no timestamp on it. And what I've shared here with you today can only be a very small excerpt on this topic. But just always remember to seek help when you feel stuck and hopelessness becomes too overwhelming. On this bald hill, the new year hones its edge, faceless and pale as China. The round sky goes on minding its business. Your absence is inconspicuous. Nobody can tell what I lack. Sylvia Plath from Parliament Hill Fields. As my song of the week, I chose this version of Nina Simone's song, Feeling Good by Muse. And of course, this song, like all the others from Every Change and of All Letter, is on the Spotify playlist. It's one click away. Just like it, share it, or just listen to good music. And my poem of the week is one by Christina Rossetti, who lived from 1830 to 1894. And it's called One Seaside Grave. Unmindful of the roses, unmindful of the thorn, a reaper tired reposes among his gathered corn, so might I till the morn. Cold as the cold Decembers, past as the days that set, while only one remembers and all the rest forget, but one remembers yet. And as an impression, well, I'm sharing something very personal because this is one of my favorite photos of my little brother proudly holding my daughter. And as always, what's left is to wish you an amazing weekend. And of course, I love to hear from you. Yours, Tanya.